You're listening to the Hire Through Retire podcast with Boya leaders Bill Harmon and Heather Lavalley, tackling all things workplace from 401ks to HSAs and everything in between. We're talking to the best and brightest in the industry to bring you the latest in benefits, savings, and investment trends. Come along with us on our journey to help all Americans become well-planned, well-invested, and well-protected. Welcome back to Hire Through Retire. I'm here again today with my friend, colleague, and co-host, Bill Harmon. Bill, so great to see you, and I'm, I'm loving the orange shirt. You're looking fabulous today. Yeah, it kind of felt like it was an orange kind of a day, and Heather, thanks so much. Happy to be back with everyone today. You know, we talked recently with Melanie Moriarty of Best Buy, and it was a great topic. It was about employee benefits for working parents, and it's a topic growing of importance for employers today, particularly as millions of women left the job market during COVID-19. As schools and daycares closed and the existing caregiving crisis in this country became more, more, more challenging. So today, we have another important topic to discuss, and that's guidance for employers around women re-entering the workforce, a topic of particular importance for the post-pandemic world. So joining us for the discussion today is Renee Scherzer, a principal of 401k Resources, and they're a firm that's focused on employer-sponsored plans and participant outcomes. The mission of 401k Resources is to provide clients with strategies to empower their employees to build financial independence while managing fiduciary liability of organizations and their executives. Hey, Renee, welcome. It's so great to see you. Oh, thank you for having me and, and giving me the opportunity to talk about something that's so meaningful to me. I had the pleasure of spending time with you at a conference recently, and you and I were talking about this, and I tell you, your passion is infectious. It was so good. And I just said, Wow. I have to have you on the pod because I was so impressed by your passion, the presentation, everything. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you landed on this current role? Well, um, I started in this industry at Dean Witter at age 19. So I'm aging myself <laughs> now. That was at a time um, there wasn't a lot of women advisors. I was a junior partner to a very successful male advisor. And when I tried to voice my opinion, I was told that I was a young female making um, a high income at a young age and to keep my mouth shut. And just my role was to make him happy. Uh, well, that didn't work. So I went out on my own and um, I had seen 401k plans. I had great experience at a young age to a lot of the Arizona-based public companies. So 401ks was one service that we did. And I thought I was going to you know, go out there and talk to everyone who needed a voice, not just the select executives. So I launched my career. I did it on my own. I didn't feel like the wirehouse environment was conducive for my personal goals of also wanting to be a mom and also my professional goals of reaching a, of an income. So I find myself here today, have been, been this, that was about 23 years ago, three kids later. I am around other women now have been out of the workforce over this period of time. And I'm learning of their challenges they're having. And I just think it's important that I use my experience, my peers' experience to kind of reach back and bring them up, especially at this period of time when we're all facing significant labor shortages. So Renee, I've got to jump in first on, on your story. And uh, I love the fact that you did not listen to that advice that you were <laughs> given when you started your career and you followed your own vision and that you've been able to balance this amazing career trajectory with the importance of having a family. So just kudos to you and congrats. We, 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 you know, we need- And likewise to you. Medals. Yes. Well, thank yes. you. Thank you so much. On that topic, right? I'm going to start um, with some data, and you know, really, it'll help to stress the need for the conversation that we're having today. According to an analysis by the National Women's Law Center of the latest U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics report from February 2020 to January 2022, 
male workers regained all jobs they had lost due to the public health crisis, while women gained 188,000 jobs in January 2022. They are still short by more than 1.8 million jobs lost since February 2020. That's a huge gap to fill and work to be done, right? It's just, it's staggering. So leads me to my first question. From your perspective, why did more women than men leave the workforce during that period, making up 63% of the total job loss? And at risk of stating the obvious, why is it so important for organizations and quite frankly, the country to be intentional about bringing women back to the workforce? Great questions. Um, Well, we were having this leakage before the crisis, before the pandemic. We were having more women leave the workforce. And most of the the reason I've heard consecutively and consistently is due to the childcare needs, family needs, being the one primarily to be at home, evaluating who's a higher income earner. So traditionally, the husband tends to be. So that's where I originally heard that. And that study too is in a January jobs report where actually women's workplace participation rate is only at 57% right now. And you think of the longer term impact, especially in our industry of what it's going to do to retirement. The challenge that we're having is not just them relaunching, but also catching up for lost opportunity during that period. So not just getting them into the positions, but also giving them a path to launch at a faster rate or whatever rate can be conducive to their schedule. You know, as far as being intentional, I think you know, I don't, I know both of you and Voya's mission too agrees with diverse groups really bring the most success for an industry, have great ideas, move the needle, make everyone happy. We all learn from each other from different perspectives and experiences, you know, where I'm finding that, that disconnect and which is really interesting to me because we're all in this. So we know, oh, you have your LinkedIn profile. You do this, here's a job. These women also are having, they're stuck. They're not sure even. So of this, this group, they don't even know where to begin. They're just like almost like paralyzed and so intimidated to even re-enter because it's really that self-doubt that that is kind of getting in the way during this pandemic and even before that as well. That is such a shame because there's so many talented, talented people that have the talent to go and fit some of the roles that are open and available, and we just have to help them. On that note, for employers, you know, there's obviously an opportunity when it comes to recruiting and helping women re-enter the workforce. What are some of the barriers maybe that women might be facing today to get started? You talked about sort of this paralysis. How can we help them get out there? And what are you hearing based on your work with your clients? Well, we need to overcome the self-doubt. Um, I had I have the privilege because I have kids and in, in, you know, teenage kids too, and, and one in college to be around women and I have these conversations with them. And some women that you look and they they look so put together and they, they're leaders. And all of a sudden I'm talking with them and they're saying, I need to find a job and I don't even know where to begin. And so those are the obstacles as first giving them a pathway of, first of all, building their confidence. There's a survey I have out, which is really interesting. And it talks about barriers. The top two barriers they're saying is they don't know where to start and they don't feel qualified. What's really interesting in my survey so far is I also asked what skills do you feel you bring to the workforce and or would bring to an employer? I have to tell you, I was like, I actually had tears in my eyes because I'm scrolling through the survey results. And after you see all the stress people have and barriers to get in, scheduling. And then I don't know what I don't know. That's a big one. Getting interviews. Women who have breaks in their resumes are not getting the interviews. And I've talked to a couple of recruiters that say they won't even interview someone who doesn't have a LinkedIn presence. They don't have a LinkedIn presence. They have a gap in the resume. And as much as we've kind of overcome a lot of, uh, you know, some of this, I shouldn't say a lot of this, 
if, if I'm hiring and someone is hiring, if they look at someone with a gap against someone without, who do you think is going to get that interview? When I looked at this, we need to be better self-promoters. Women need to be in general. And I, I'm, I'll screenshot and send it to everyone too. And I'll be sharing this on LinkedIn. When I ask, what skills do you bring? How do what other people describe you? You'd be described as a leader. Do you learn quickly? Do people describe you as being um, social? Are you a quick learner? Everyone is almost answered to, they're all like at the, the largest extreme. Almost everyone said they were all of those things. So they're not even realizing their self-value. We need to remind them of that. Wow, Renee, I, I just... I have so many thoughts around what you just said around that, right? I, I couldn't agree more um, about the empowerment. You know, there, there's often something that, that women tend to feel like they've got to wait till they're ready and not yes. seeing their, their internal strengths. So I love that this is something that you're doing. And I think quite frankly, that all of us can do to help women, but I'm going to pivot us a little bit and talk just, you know, if we think overall, and we look at the job market and that there have been some pretty significant shifts in the past few years with a great resignation, you know, very much in full swing, which has led employers to adapt to all kinds of offerings. And, and you know, specifically when they think about benefit offerings to attract top talent. So, you know, you kind of brought us to the parallel. We've got to get employers thinking differently. We've got to get these women thinking differently. But as you think about some of these benefits, flexible hours, backup child care, remote work, mental health benefits you know, more have become, more of these benefits have become so prominent. When it comes to offering for women specifically, who are likely mo focused, you know, more than just the salary, how can employers present these offerings with women in mind? First of all, we need to listen to them. We need to understand and not just put things on a portal. I had the pleasure of sitting in the PSCA conference and listening to other HR teams and what they were doing to address people onboarding. I think even during the, how we're communicating the jobs, the traditional job description is making, you know, doesn't even show really what the culture looks like and what they can experience and what the pathway is for success. You know, we want people into the workforce, not to have a job, but to have a career and we want to retain them. As far as the communication, I think with, especially with women is doing so in a holistic manner, being able to talk to them about what are these benefits for your family? What are these benefits for based on what's important to you? And continuing the discussion in our office, we have benefits, HR and retirement. We have a great team here and I get to hear where things are going, but as much as employers want to be intentional about it, they're just not really communicating and really um, providing that roadmap for the individuals. And, and even within these benefits, how they can be successful, what's going to be specific to them. Um, but the one benefit I'm hearing that a lot of women want is more of advancement opportunities little um, skill building options, paying for them to get certifications, paying them so they can, you know, launch their career even higher aside from the childcare and all of these uh, work remote and PTO kind of benefits. You know, I'm going to say it again, Renee, you're just fantastic. And really what you are, you're like this mentor um, for all of these women looking to re-enter. How do I get back in to the workplace? What do I need to think about? So I guess the question there is, there's only one of you, and mentorship is something we talked about on another podcast. And so let's think about how can we expand you and your passion? Let's talk about maybe the role of the employer. How can HR leaders and managers make sure their companies or their teams, I just want to set up like a mentorship program internally so that then that can lead to career advancement opportunities as kind of these women entering the workplace feel confident again that they can yes. move forward. 
Well, one thing companies can do, and I'm seeing some larger companies do it. I um, looked at some returnship type of programs, but through that helping um, mentorship opportunities, that is actually in my survey, one of the top things that people are looking for is mentorship is the top one. Once companies are in of how they can maybe even develop or create a mentorship program is in smaller organizations. And I have a great client, the CEO spends time, whether it's remote or in-person coffee to get to learn that individual. And she becomes not maybe a formal mentor, but at least a leader that this person can trust and go to share what their path is. I think that's important. With mentorships, the importance of that is beyond just having someone to go to and talk to, but it's also, I have a fabulous friend, Janine Moore, that you may know from Texas. And what she did with her mentee was helped her build her network. So we all got to know April and, um, and she's now a friend of ours and she's on our group. So we need also individuals that have that mentorship, but also have others like them, I think too, is that's the other part of that mentorship is not just have the mentor, but also kind of have their own squad of other people that are understanding what they're going through. I'm building this program. I have the general framework of it, and it has four tranches. The first one being the self, getting the confidence up. Second one being some of the other learning skill sets. And, and the final end two is also about building the resume, finding job opportunities. Along that, though, is a mentor in a squad. So you have a group of people that there's only enough people that fits on the screen. So we only have seven people that's going to go through the squad. And I'm going to do a pilot group of this um, when it's ready. But this way, they don't only have their mentor, but they also have a peer to go to. And so I think that's um, great. One of the other things is employee resource groups are fabulous for larger organizations. You know, we all make assumptions. I started going down a path and I was very, I'm, I'm going to just admit it here, but I was very unsuccessful bringing two women back in the workforce. One who was out for 17 years and one who was out for a year and a half before this pre-pandemic. And I look back to see what was it that I could have done better. And I've learned from that. And then talking from other people who've been successful, our HR team is fabulous at bringing people back. And part of that is, is there's a mentorship type of dynamic and a peer group. So trying to, you know, kind of create that within that mentorship too, though, is allowing them the opportunities to learn about what they don't know. So if it's not maybe a formal arrangement, having a type of a leader, I have another client who has the first Monday of every month has a leadership training, and then he creates a pathway because everyone's pathways may be a little different. Some may want to be that leader and some may want to just um, find enjoyment in at a certain level. So it's, you know, all of that kind of comes together. I kind of talked a little bit in tangents there, but I get a little excited and, and get off topic a little bit. In your comments, I just, we see it throughout the whole career. Women underestimate their skills. They don't think they're yeah. ready. And, yes. and especially for people who are away, like, I, I'm sorry, I, I, you think about women, you're essentially taking the time away to either run a household or care for a parent or do something else. That's a huge full-time job. So I just, yeah. those kinds of things would be so valuable. Yeah. And I, I've had to do both. Um, and I couldn't imagine if I wasn't my own boss, you know, to be able to do that. Um, but one woman I spoke to today, who is one of the, um, who is one of the people I've been talking to, she also said in that returnship, having a longer path to get there versus they're, they're, they're just going it straight here. So starting with a part-time and developing, they're telling me what they need. Oh. A lot of the women I talk to, they're backup. They've all been getting jobs at schools that they're not making any money and they're not happy. And they're, um, and you're going, where's there a career path there? And so even just getting them into this and, and at the end of this returnship, is they're building their resume, getting their LinkedIn presence. They have a mentor who also, because there has to be give and take, there, there has to be at the end of this period out of the month, that individual is going to know if they can be successful at a part-time, at a full-time, what they actually can provide by going through this program. But they're also going to have a mentor that's going to create that, help them build their network along the way. 
and connect the dots with um, potential um, opportunities. Renee, you've got such great tips for listeners and, and particularly thinking about the bridging, you know, the, the talent gap for employers and how they bring more of these really talented women back in the workplace. I love the idea of returnship programs. I know one of the things that, you know, I've heard and, and something we've done at Voy is you talk about a mentorship program, but also the importance of sponsorship and the difference of somebody who is really advocating for your career when you're not necessarily in the room and how do you do that? So I just want to say first, this has been a fabulous conversation, Renee. Thank you so much for your time. You know, as Bill has said a couple of times, such a timely topic, but I love your passion and energy that you bring. So I'm going to end with one final question and really for our female listeners. So if we have people out there who have these gaps on their resume, what advice would you offer and on how they might address and reframe the time period on the resumes, cover letters and interviews? So you talk about somebody taking, could be a short gap, a long gap, but how do you think about that when getting back into the workforce? That's a great question. I've got my notes here, so I don't forget anything. Um, I do think this is one of the most important questions because we want this people to be successful. As far as a cover letter, that's a great place to start. Um, I think individuals need to craft one that's kind of short and straightforward. Don't apologize. I've been out of the workforce. I'm so, you know, I, you know, it's, it's you know, kind of looking as a negative, um, but maybe stay factual, avoid, um, you know, give them explanations of what they've done during that time, not hide the gap. Don't try to hide the gap and make it um, where, you know, it's kind of questionable. In a resume format, there's kind of a hybrid formula where, you know, you'll see some that are just based functional or some things that are just chronological. They can do a hybrid resume that kind of blends that functional resume skills sets and everything else with one that talks about their, their jobs, what they had before. Also include their skills that and, and experiences with volunteerism, what they've done at the school. And when they get to that interview opportunity, also communicate those, find a way to communicate that where it's, you know, where you talk about the factual, the skills that you use versus I was a room mom for third grade, you know, to say as a room mom for third grade, I was in charge of this, this, and this, this allows me to bring these type of skill sets to an employer, start on LinkedIn, find people like me. One of the best success stories um, that I am so proud of is a mom I know through basketball, beautiful woman. We spoke, I, she has it. I mean, she just head to toe has it all put together. She'd been out of the workforce for 17 years. She was from HR. So I put her in contact with Jen, who owns and is one of the owners and runs our HR team. And She's a leader there and she's been working there since December. And I didn't realize the insecurity she had because she looks amazing and confident and as a leader. But one of the other things I would do um, is highlight too, to get back on track on this as experience gained during the breakup services, who they are today, what they feel like they would bring, what they could bring in the future, what their focus would be, and just really leverage their social network and building their network. Um, it's as I've been putting more of it out there and having conversations, I'm collecting resumes that I'm going to create a portal. Um, one of my goals, I also need to, I need a twin. <laughs> I'm starting to do some of this. I'm going to be creating my, my team, but to also create a portal, don't be afraid to ask and be afraid to raise your hand, um, you know, reach out to people like me that, you know, in your community um, to help assist and, and, and help them relaunch back into the workforce. Renee, that's absolutely fabulous advice. And I will tell you as somebody who about 18 years ago was a, or maybe 15 was a room mom for a second grade class. It was probably one of the hardest jobs I ever had to do with a lot of coordination and a lot of transferable skills. So I just want to say, thank you so much for your insight. And thank you for being here with us today. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I also want to say thank you so much for the time today. This is some great information that I'm sure the audience 
really value and find it to be very, very helpful. So thank you so much, Renee. No, my pleasure. So as we mentioned on our last episode, we've had some exciting news here at Voya, and that is with my trusty co-host, colleague, and friend, Heather Lavalley, who has been appointed the president and CEO-elect of our company. And as I shared there, I couldn't be more thrilled and excited for Heather. But with that, tone changes. Transition, um, we'll also have to uh, be wishing Heather our farewell as my co-host in the Hire Through Retire podcast. So for those that have been with us from the start, you'll know it's been a pleasure having Heather as my fellow host, and I will certainly miss her and her constant presence on the pod. But you all know she'll be back as a guest at some point. And so I'd like to say congratulations again, Heather, to my colleague and to my good friend. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Oh, hold on. My phone's ringing. It's Ellen. Just a second. (laughs) So thank you. Great episode. And as always, thank you for joining us today. Stay well. This information is provided by Voya for your education only. Neither Voya nor its representatives offer tax or legal advice. Any opinions expressed within do not necessarily reflect those of the Voya family of companies or its representatives and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Please consult your tax or legal advisor before making a tax-related investment or insurance decision.